This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Friday, June the 28th, I'm your host, D.A. And while the NBA free agency period is nearly upon us, Sunday, 6 a.m., will be the beginning of massive player movement. We begin with baseball. Why, you ask? Well, because in sports talk, meltdowns create meltdowns. And yesterday was indeed one of those iconic meltdown moments. Mike Francesa has been doing this for a really long time, an icon of New York sports talk. And on WFAN Radio in New York, he was watching yet another New York Mets nightmare. The train wreck that just simply won't stop. The bullpen that consistently pukes all over itself. Edwin Diaz came to the mound trying to protect a 3-1 lead in Philadelphia. The Mets had already blown three games in this series. Francesa watched. The Mets melted down. And then Francesa melted down himself. Let's see if he can get Segura out first. Segura hits a shot. Home run. Unbelievable! So this guy comes in and gives up five runs. That sums it up. Fire all of them. Don't even bring them back to New York. You know what? Let the bus go the other way, please. Tomorrow night, let the 69 Mets take the field. They do a better job against the Braves. This is unbelievable. There's Frazier hits one of the, one of the biggest home runs you could hit in, in your life. Kept the Mets alive. 2-1 Mets. They had an insurance run. 3-1 Mets. Go to the bottom of the ninth. They traded to get this kid, the great reliever. They bring Diaz in here. All he's got to do is get a rocking chair, a rocking chair save against the bottom of the lineup. Walks the first batter, gives up a home run to the eight hitter. And then gives up a three-run jack to Segura on his 38th pitch or whatever the heck it was. He's done. He's shot. Bullpen shot. Team shot. Managers shot. The pitching strategist. Who the hell knows what he does in the first place? Hey, you know what? Just listen. Let the Mets take the bus. Instead of coming north on a turnpike, send it south. Let the 69 Mets suit up tomorrow night. This is a disgrace. I don't, I can't even believe it. You can't lose this game. They stink so bad, you can't even make it up. 37 and 45. 
Diaz goes down and gives up two homers and five runs. After Frazier hits the clutch home run of the year to keep this team breathing. You got to be kidding me. Get rid of all of them. They're a bunch of jokers. Alonzo, I apologize. McNeil, I apologize. DeGrom, maybe I apologize. The rest of you, you stink. Back after this. Did the Mets bullpen choke again? Oh, yeah. It's a season on the brink. And Mike Francesa just summed up every Mets fan's emotions with that. It was so brilliant, we had to lead with it. On to the NBA's free agency watch, where the news is that Kemba Walker could slide in and will slide in to the vacancy left by Kyrie Irving in Boston. It looks like the former Hornet All-Star is now going to sign with the Celtics. So let's start comparing the two. Are the Celtics better off with Kemba instead of Kyrie? Here's Mark James on WEEI at night in Boston as he chats with basketball writer Jeff Goodman. He's better defensively. He's not as good offensively. And he's a better leader, a better intangible guy, a better passer. A better wait, wait, wait. He's not a better. Jeff, he doesn't have better handles or better passer than Kyrie Irving. He's a better passer than Kyrie Irving. How, how, how do you say? Absolutely. How do you say Kyrie's winning? Kyrie, I saw in a game this year, Jeff. He could do this every night. It was a game, and granted, it was against the Wizards, so it is. It was the Wizards, but he had twelve assists to one turnover. Like there's like when he wants to, Kyrie Irving could could have a three to four to one assist to turnover ratio. He just likes to shoot too much. Kyrie Irving also had Jason Tatum and Gordon. Gordon wasn't Gordon. Gordon, but Tatum, Horford, he had way more talent. Marcus Morris, he had so much more talent. To me, if you put Kemba Walker on a team that has weapons around it, Kemba Walker can average 18 points and 10 assists a game. Well, now, he is it, a it, better it, passer. Uh, okay. He's a more willing passer. Okay, so if you do that and you're doubling the amount of assists he's averaged his career, which is five, then all of a sudden, then that changes a little bit and changes the ball game. I mean, I just, here's my thing. I, I, I like Kimball Walker, uh, Jeff, and I told, you know, I was there doing an afternoon drive in Charlotte when he was drafted by the Bobcats, and they brought him in Bismack Biombo. They were both in the same draft, they brought him in studio. I, I was there when he made his first playoffs, and of course they got swept by that great Miami Heat team with LeBron and Wade and Bosch in 2014. I I just don't like him at 36 million per. That's my only thing. Like you're okay. going. No, I, I'd rather him at 32. Absolutely, I'd rather him at 30. I, I, also, but I'd rather him at the only way you're getting him. The only way you're getting him is to probably pay 36. So, well, then I wouldn't it, do it. It's Kemba. It's Kemba and a big man like. I don't know what you're going to get at this point. Can you get Brooke Lopez, uh, somebody like that? I mean, uh, Robin Lopez, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're stuck with an Ed Davis, something like that. Or do you have enough belief in Terry Rozier that he's playoff Terry Rozier from a year and a half ago? No, no. Uh, I think he's somewhere in between. I think he's somewhere in between that and what he showed this past year. And to me, again, can you even get Vucevic? Can you even get him and that, now? You that that's the guy. Now let me ask you this: If you're, so what are we talking in terms? Because Vucevic wasn't a first 
top three team All NBA. What what is what do we talk? Is, is Vucevic going to get about uh, what Al Horford's looking for? Four years, twenty seven million a year. Is that about what he's probably, about? Yeah, oh. probably somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay, so is Vuce, there's well, so much money out there right now, Mark? That teams are overpaying for guys. So in order to get a Kemba or a Vucevic, you're going to have to overpay. So who would you rather have? Vucevic. Would you rather have Vucevic? Yes. Yeah, see, I'd rather have Kemba. I'd rather have Vucevic. You're talking about a guy who's 7'2", uh, 260 pounds, sure. v- very athletic, sure. very a great scorer. He went 21-12 and 12 last year. And, Jeff, the best part of his game that he improved last year, three-point shooting and passing, and you need someone to replace Horford in Baines. There's your answer. Well, Jeff, how many elite point guards are there in this league? Five? You don't need to, you don't need to win a title with an elite point guard. The, the Raptors just won with Kyle Lowry. I don't know. Steph Curry's pretty good. No, I know that was the that's the exception to the rule. That's he's an exception. Uh, Steph Curry, Russell I, Westbrook, I guess, right? I, you know, I'm, just I'm saying, not saying I'm not saying your best player has to be a point guard, but I'm saying you better have a damn good point guard. Kyle Lowry is an underrated point guard in my opinion because of the intangibles. We saw them. He played at a high high level in the NBA Finals, did he not? Oh, he was tremendous, especially in Game Six. In terms of good chemistry, yeah, the Celtics need it. But at the end of the day, Kyrie's handle is superior to Kemba's handle. Kyrie is one of the great ball handlers in the NBA. Now, chemistry-wise, I would totally agree. Kemba feels like a much better fit, and maybe the Celtics will be better for it. But already we hear some media saying that Kyrie's not even as good as Kemba Walker, and that's not true. Kyrie's attitude might not be as good, but Kyrie's ball handling, his scoring, and his overall talent is superior to Kemba Walker. So what will go into Kemba Walker's decision to leave the only place he has ever known in his professional career to head to Boston? Well, here's a former teammate of his, Al Jefferson, who joined Wilson and Parcell on WFNZ in Charlotte and gave us a quote that I think will last through NBA free agency and beyond. No one know Kemba more than Kemba. If Kemba were to call you and to say, Al, here, here are my options here. Boston, a better chance to win. Charlotte with the ability to, uh, to, to maybe make more money over the rest of or the next three, four to five years. How, do you, how would you counsel your former teammate on a decision like that? Well, I would just tell Kemba just um, follow his heart. You know, um, no one, um, no one know Kemba more than Kemba, and no one know how, you know, what situation he want to put himself in. This is a very um, good position uh, he's in right now, and he will probably never be in this position again um, in his career for as be able to sign a match deal no matter where you go, you know. So, um, and I know Kemba also want to win. He don't want on every level he's been on. And he also want to win on this level. So I just, I would just tell him, just, you know, just to really pray about it and think about it and, and, um, and, and follow his heart. And I think, um, with me knowing Kemmel, how I know Kemmel, I think wherever his heart leads him will be the best decision for him and his family. Obviously, a lot of the faces have changed since you signed in Charlotte back in 2013, but one constant is Michael Jordan. When you were a free agent in 2013 and you were in that meeting, that pitch meeting with the Hornets, what was Michael Jordan's role in, in convincing you to come to Charlotte? How much of a role did he have? <laughs> Believe it or not, um, he wasn't present at all. 
Um, the first time I seen Jordan uh, was the first day of training camp when uh, in um, September or October, whenever that was. So um, he didn't really, you know, of course, his name is, you know, it's, it's a present all by itself. And me coming to the Hornets, I knew he owned the team. So, uh, but it was just in that meeting, it was all about uh, Clifford and uh, Patrick Ewing and them guys, you know, um, he was a first year head coach and he was coming in and he, he had big plans and I was, I was going to be a part of them plans and he just warmed me over with the things that he said he wanted to do here. Yeah, in Charlotte. So that what really got me on board. Is that normal for an owner not not to be a part of those meetings? I mean, you've been in a few of those. I feel like I hear a lot of times that maybe even if they're not the ones standing up making the pitch, I, I usually hear them involved. Is in your experience, is that normal? Well, believe it or not, that was probably my uh, my first and last meeting I ever had as a free agent. You know, uh, yeah. my second time around being a free agent. Um, you know, I didn't, Indiana didn't fly me up. It wasn't no meeting. It was just all about, do I want to come? And he was like, yes. So that was my only, um, uh, meeting I had. And, and so I don't know if that's normal or not. But like I said, him not being there didn't bother me none because his yeah. name was just a present all by himself. Again, I think we should just re rack that quote here. No one know Kemba more than Kemba. No one know Kemba more than Kemba. Al Jefferson is right. And so Kemba Walker might want to win. Kemba Walker might have seen, hey, they didn't offer me a ton of money in Charlotte to stay anyway, so I'm not leaving money on the table. And that, to me, is head-scratching for Michael Jordan and the Hornets front office. I mean, Kemba Walker's been the best player in that franchise's history since it came back to Charlotte from New Orleans. To me, it was a no-brainer to give Kemba Walker the money that he has earned there because it's not like they draft and develop really well anyway. You're watching a guy walk out the door, a star that you actually drafted and developed. Does it make sense? Questionable in my mind. Another huge bit of news yesterday was that the Los Angeles Lakers are able to clear space for a max contract to go alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, the rest of the roster doesn't really exist right now, but as long as they have the space for a third max deal, they have the opportunity to swim with the big boys, swim with the Sharks in NBA free agency. So who makes the most sense for the Lakers if they are able to acquire another max contract out there? Here is ESPN's Stephen A. Smith on the Jason and John show on 92.9 in Memphis. I think it would be Kyrie Irving, who supposedly, purportedly is going to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. But regardless of what their differences were personality-wise, on the basketball court, Kyrie and, and, and LeBron perfectly complemented one another, and they validated it by capturing a championship. So we can't ignore that. But I will also like to say this. Uh, the Lakers don't have to go in that direction. Right. The Lakers could choose to go in the direction of a D'Angelo Russell, get him for a bit cheaper. He'd be at least $10 million cheaper than Kyrie, if not more. And you could use those other dollars to add additional parts to the franchise. Because if you've got LeBron and you've got AD and you've got Kyle Kuzma as a third wheel and you were to add the Angelo Russell to that equation, you could certainly use the extra dollars to add two or three additional players, and that might be a plus instead of adding a third superstar. What should Danny Ainge do? You've been on him a little bit, and I, I sort of have too. At least he's missed some of his window. A lot of people, I figure, Boston fans figure they should have been the team that was in the finals. Uh, what are they going to do there? Do you take Kimba and you're a good team all of a sudden? What should Ainge do? When it comes to Danny Ainge, what I did was recognize the fact 
that he's been a quality executive in really? the NBA, and that's not to be ignored. Yep. The flip side to it, however, the fact that you got to win it, you got to usually have a superstar. I mean, I think the only team that has won devoid of a superstar, <laughs> excuse me, in this millennial, has been the Detroit Pistons when they had Tayshawn Prince, mm-hmm. your VP of Basketball Affairs now. When they had him, they had Chauncey, they had Rasheed Wallace, Benny Wallace. Um, and, and, and Rip Hamilton. And so for me, outside of that, every team that's won a championship had a bona fide superstar and future Hall of Famer on the squad. And if you're the Boston Celtics and you have supplementary parts, the Jason Tatum's, Jalen Browns of the world, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, et cetera, et cetera, at least at one time, along with a Gordon Haywood, a Terry Rozier, yeah. Marcus Smart, you've got to find a way to parlay that into acquiring Completely a agree. superstar. Yes. And if yes. you can't do that, and if you can't do that, it begs the question as to why that is. Now, you're going to have a plethora of stars that don't want to come play in Boston. They don't want to be uh, in Northeast. They don't want to be in that cold weather, certainly in Boston and all of this other stuff. That might be true, or it might be that he hasn't really been able to recruit since Doc Rivers has left, and even before then. Remember, when he had the big three with KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, the real – acquisition was KG. What happened with that? One of his great, great friends and former championship teammate, Kevin McHale, who was running the Minnesota uh, uh, Timberwolves, gift-wrapped that, that pick uh, or, that, or that deal to Danny Ainge. Outside of that, what real, real deal has he made? The real deal he made was hoodwinking the Brooklyn Nets mm. and then GM Billy King into trading for Paul Pierce and KG because Danny Ainge knew that Billy King was under pressure by the Russian owner Prokhorov to make the deal because Prokhorov wanted to be an instant sensation in New York because he saw a vulnerability on the part of the New York Knicks in midtown Manhattan. So he said, let's get it now. Let's add KG and Paul Pierce to the mix, to the equation. Let's do something big since we're just opening up in the Barclays Center. Let's do it that way and force Billy King to make that thing mortgaging their future with three three basically first-round picks. So those are the kind of things that happen. Uh, those are the two things that happen to Danny Ainge's benefit. Nothing else of real note he did. Brad Stevens' big-time acquisition in terms of acquiring him as a coach out of Butler because nobody saw that coming. Right. And Brad, Brad Stevens was ultimately what enables you to get Gordon Haywood to leave Utah. Mm-hmm. Now, we know Gordon Haywood had an ugly injury, but before the ugly injury, he was every bit worth the $131 million contract that Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics signed him to, but that was because of his relationship with Brad Stevens. What has Danny Ainge done himself to make Boston an attractive landing spot for a marquee free agent? I think that's the one blemish on his career as an executive that should be asked and and basically publicized. I think you're right. Look, when you have the Lakers roster with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it is obviously top-heavy. And when you look at the rest of the roster with Kyle Kuzma and then potential retreads, second-round draft picks, minimum contracts for veterans, you'd have to say, it's tough. But if they are able to land a guy like, let's say, Kyrie Irving on a deal or somebody else, it's probably not going to be Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, but could it be another second-tier guy in a max deal and Kyrie would make a ton of sense Well, now again, the Lakers have gone from a disaster, something that was hard to even look at, 
to being maybe the favorite in the West. And they might be the favorite right now already, even without signing somebody to a max deal. I don't know if Rob Palinka had this master plan all along. I highly doubt it. But right now it has made sense, assuming they can fill that max contract slot with a top-tier free agent. It's not just basketball season. It's also NFL minicamps and OTAs in the offseason where teams and new faces and new places are going to get to know one another. And one of those new faces is Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. The former Chiefs running back was dismissed in Kansas City for his domestic assault in the hotel of a young woman. And so he was picked up by the Browns. Now, Travis Kelsey played alongside Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. And Kelsey's always a great soundbite. And so Travis Kelsey weighed in on what Kareem Hunt will bring to Cleveland personally. What is he like off of the football field with Baskin and Phelps on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland? Kareem is every bit of an amazing teammate. I mean, he's, he's, he loves every guy in the locker room. Uh, offensive, defense. He's, he's not a guy that just kind of gets in a click and he stays with the with the certain guys. I mean, he he he's, he was loved by everybody in the locker room. Which and I recently said, you know, that's it was it ripped our hearts out. It ripped our hearts out because he was such a good friend and and a good teammate to everyone. I mean, I'm not justifying anything that he did was right or wrong or anything like that. I think that you know he he had some things that he had to clean up for sure, but. As a person, I mean, Kareem has been nothing but a but a great friend and a, and a great teammate. Love the fact that on Sunday Night Football, anytime you're introduced, Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Why do you wear the the pride of Northeast Ohio? I mean, it's front and center, Travis, and I, I know folks here really appreciate it. Um, you know what? The, I feel like uh, growing up in Cleveland Heights has really uh, given me an understanding of of life that, that I may have not have gotten anywhere else. I mean, the, the, the variety of social class, the, the variety of ethnicities, um, just racial backgrounds. I mean, it, it, the, the melting pot that Cleveland Heights is, um, gave me an understanding of, of culture, uh, to a degree where I appreciate everyone for who they are. And, um, I'm very proud of that. I think that's something that, uh, that everyone in Cleveland Heights knows and understands. And that's why we are such a strong community. And, um, you know, it's nothing against Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. I appreciate Cincinnati for what it was. Um, and I go back and I try and help out as much as I can, um, knowing that me and my brother just uh, put together some funds to try and raise a scholarship uh, for some kids uh, uh, down there in, uh, Cincinnati, for the University of Cincinnati. But, you know, it, there's something about Cleveland Heights that is uh, just so special to me and uh, who I've become and how I even got here. Um, to the NFL. And um, you know what? i got to showcase that every, every chance that I can. Well said. The Browns obviously won't have him all season long because of the suspension, but the Browns have collected a lot of talent. The question is, does it all fit together? It is so hard when you are in the NFL to have all these new faces come in and get on the same page. It's not an individual sport. Everybody has got to work together. So you have an emotional Odell Beckham being added to a team that's got big expectations and a rookie head coach. You've got an emotional Baker Mayfield calling out players that might be holding out like Duke Johnson or want to be traded. Then you add Kareem Hunt to the mix, and it is going to be a boiling pot throughout the season. Cleveland's got the talent to certainly be a winner, but do they have the composure 
And do they know the experience that it takes to win? That's a completely different question. Finally, we are almost upon one of the great American holidays ever, the 4th of July's hot dog eating contest for Nathan's in Coney Island, New York. And one of our favorite contestants annually is Badlands Booker. This man is a mountain. I've had a chance to have him on my show, and he's gregarious and fun and awesome, and he can pound hot dogs. So what is a true competitor, a true athlete's preparation like in advance of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? Here is Badlands with Hockman and Crowder on WQAM in Miami. What's the the preparation for that like? Because we talked with George Shea earlier in the Uh week. He said Joey Chestnut stops eating on Sunday night and only has water or coffee for four days leading up to the – to the competition. And Mickey Sudo yesterday said she does the challenge one week before. Right, like she does a a practice challenge, yeah. she said, with the hot dogs, right. buns, and kind of tries to set it up as if it was the contest. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, so do you have a preparation? Well, well, well basically three days before, you know, I'll, I'll just go with just, just uh, doing like protein shakes, right? Um, I, I had discovered this thing online called Heal. It's like a, um, a meal replacement. You know, I would just just go to that, you know, just have like, uh, you, you know, uh, two or three, three servings of that, you know, the three days leading up to it. And then just drink a lot of water just to hydrate myself. And so so I can be, you know, pretty much empty and ready to go. But um, but since I'm rapping also, I'm doing about about five songs. <laughs> right. So right. You're performing yeah, before the contest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so, you know, so that morning I'll probably have like, you know. You know, some um, some orange juice, you know, you know, have a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of carbs just to like, you know, so, you know, keep me up so I won't like just like pass out, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Badlands. I played in the NFL, man. I could I couldn't do shows before I go to an NFL game. That would affect my preparation for the actual contest. I don't. Is this a mistake doing the songs? Uh, you, you, you just gotta, you know, and have a little more cardio, you know, just, just to compensate for that. So you gotta compartmentalize pretty much. You, hey, I'm a performer yeah. right now. Now I'm a competitive eater. Well, you know, I, the, the fans want to see both, so <laughs> you know, I have to give them what they want. What's you know? a, what's what's making you more money right now? Competitive eating, rapping, or the Badlands Chugs YouTube video? Well, I have to say the chugs at the moment. Yeah, you know, you know the YouTube is a is, is a whole tile, a whole different animal. I mean, it's like um, you know, you know, right right now, you know, I'm I'm still working for the um for the on the subway in New York. Uh, if this keeps up, you know, I may retire early. I was going to uh, ask like you that. It. Like, are you making enough money now that you can give up your day job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's getting to that point. So you know, and, and what is it? Is it all based money. off? It's all based off advertising. Is that is that how you make the money on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because every time that you um you click onto a a, a chug video, you know, you know, then when the ad runs, you know that that's how the money is is, is made. But you know, there's you know, I also get like um, sponsorships. You know, different people will ask me to promote their products. You know, during the chug video, and you know, they pay me to do that too. So. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get some money off of YouTube. Badlands Booker is with us, a uh, a competitive eater. I was watching a YouTube video from Major League Eating. You know, you talk about being up in New York. So Major League uh-huh. Eating has a YouTube channel. And you were oh, at yeah. a restaurant in Queens, and you were eating three live octopus. It was <laughs> 
It was mm. Crowder. They were squirming and trying to get off the plate. These weren't I tiny. I ran from Badlands too, these, hell. <laughs> these, <laughs> these were not little tiny calamaris. This was crazy. Did you enjoy that? It was delicious. It was like, just imagine the freshest seafood that you ever had. I mean, if, if you like to eat sushi, I mean, it was so fresh. It was unbelievable, but it was a little, it was a little tough, you know, a little tough. But uh, they had to eventually cut it up for me. But but they were squirming; they were trying to get away from you. That didn't take away some of the luster of the flavor. If those damn hot dogs could run, oh, they would I, too. I, I, I mean, that, that 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 just brought out the you know the you, you know you know just like the the caveman in me, and that's been you know like you know, buried into me, just like, you know, like, get over here, come here, you know, the hunter and the gatherer, you know, I was, I, I, I just, I, I had to fight for my food this time instead of going to the supermarket and get it. <laughs> it's just good to hear what a true competitor needs to do to get ready for an enormous athletic competition. Look, if you got to fire yourself up, rip things off the walls, that's what you have to do. But when it comes to the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, Let's face it, there's no bigger stage in America. That'll be the best of your sports talk for Friday, June the 28th. We'll see you on Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 